Hey, we're just about to jump into the episode, but before we do, did you know we have a junior-friendly Discord community? It's completely free to join. If you want to join us, the link is in the description. We'd love to have you. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another podcast episode where we help aspiring developers get jobs and junior developers grow. Today, we are going to be doing a review of Launch School. And so I actually brought on people from the core program and... Uh, capstone program, which is core and capstone combined. So we'll get different perspectives, but yeah, I hope you like it. Um, let's go ahead and jump right into our intros. Um, is it Eugenio? You can just go with Gino. Gino. Okay. Easier to say. It is. It's much easier. Um, Gino, if you would go ahead and share, um, like when did you graduate? What program did you graduate from? Um, and then we'll probably do are you still looking for a position right now or did you currently find a position and uh, potentially even like what your previous position was before this? So if you need to ask me again to repeat any of those questions, but go ahead, Gino. Cool. Um, so I did core. I'm um, just core. I didn't go on to capstone. I graduated, I believe in July of last year. So almost 10 months ago or so. Um, I'm not currently looking for a position. I found a position that I'm, I'm happy with that I'm really enjoying. So everything's great there. Um, before this, I hadn't worked in sort of tech or anything tech related at all. I had dabbled with coding a little bit, um, made a couple of projects for myself, but I had been living in Taiwan for the last six years before that. And I had been teaching ESL at various schools. Okay. Very cool. And so you actually woke up super early for this podcast, didn't you? I mean, earlier than usual. Yeah. I woke up about six 30 in the morning. It's seven 30 now. Okay. I really appreciate that. I know I tried double checking to make sure. Um, but yeah, thanks for being here. No problem at all. Daniel, how about you? Hey, um, Daniel, I'm based in uh, Toronto, Canada. I just graduated from Capstone in uh, December. Uh, so like a few months ago, uh, I found a position after about five weeks. I'm working as a software engineer at Gatsby. Um, oh, what else was it that you... Oh, what I was doing before. I was... Uh, so I have no prior coding experience or programming experience. I worked in hospitality before. So I was doing stuff like bartending and like, like front of house management and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, pretty much everything I picked up was from launch school. All right. Really cool. Thank you. How about you, Joe? Uh, so I'm Joe. Um, I'm in Boise, Idaho. I uh, finished core in December of 2020. Um, and I'm looking for a job and, uh, my work history is pretty much just really basic entry-level IT positions, uh, help desk, service desk, that kind of thing. Okay. Very cool. All right. Let's dive into it. I'm excited. Uh, so why did you choose this coding bootcamp? And so I probably should have given a heads up. Feel free to just speak up. Um, we're going to talk over each other just a little bit. We'll kind of get comfortable <laughs> with that, but yeah. Um, why'd you choose it? Uh, I, I mean, I, had, I had tried other 
programs. Uh, I was in a program that I was paying for earlier and, uh, I hated the fact that they wanted to teach me WordPress. So I was like, I'm not going to waste my time with this. Uh, and, uh, the, the fact that launch school seemed to talk about going so deep into the topics that they taught, uh, was what really drew me to it. But, um, yeah, I don't know about you guys. So I, no, go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> I'd been dabbling with coding a little bit. Um, I've been teaching myself Python just to see if I could learn coding. Like I wanted some sort of a challenge in my life. People, it seemed like the cool thing to do. So I was working on some Python and um, eventually I went to try and build a website just following like an intro to Django book. And um, I built a website, their website. And then I went to go change it and make it like my website and so many things broke and didn't really work. And so I showed my code to a developer friend of mine. And he's like, there's some goodness in here, man, but you're missing like a lot of the fundamentals you need to, if you want to do web development, because until that point, I'd been looking more at maybe uh, data analytics or something. He's like, you really need to, to focus on some of these fundamentals and clean this up. And then I can, I can help you a lot more. So that led me to the search for a place based on fundamentals of web development. Um, between that, I live in Asia, right? So this was a place where you can, um, it works almost asynchronously. It worked for me in this time zone. I could do things on my own time. And I really liked that it was a monthly subscription. So I wasn't paying a ton of money up front. And then if I didn't like it, I was like, oh no, I'm out a ton of money, right? It's 200, 200 USD a month when, when I was part of it for core. And if I didn't like it at any point, I could stop. And I could also pause it, which I did a couple of times when I had other things to do. So, I mean, the flexibility and the focus on fundamentals and wanting to do web development brought me there. Cool. Yeah. And I guess for, for myself, uh, I actually knew somebody who went through the entire program, both core and capstone, uh, before I started and he just kept trying to get these, he kept just raving about it over and over again. And then, uh, I, I was looking for something, something new to do to transition careers. And I picked a good time right before the pandemic. So I, uh, so I started then and yeah, didn't, didn't look back. Okay. Very cool. Um, so what'd you learn? What was the curriculum? Uh, what did it encompass? Uh, well, there's, there's two tracks, uh, in core, you can do Ruby or JavaScript and, uh, Ruby, they start you off with the really basics, uh, very fundamentals, hello world, that kind of thing. Um, then they kind of go into object oriented programming. Uh, and if I remember correctly, they go into the basics of networking, uh, basics of like relational databases, and then, uh, it kind of moves to the front end, which with um, HTML, CSS. Uh, oh, I think RubyTrack, they'll also teach you JavaScript. I didn't take that. So maybe uh, either you guys would know. I did JavaScript and everything was like, back. you start a backend of Node uh, and pretty much the same style, object-oriented programming, databases, networking, and then fundamental front end stuff, pretty much. I so did it, the RubyTrack. So yeah, you do... 
you start with Ruby and then the front end is still all in JavaScript. So you use Ruby for learning the back end stuff. You learn like object oriented programming in Ruby. Um, you learn yeah, object oriented programming. Your first assessment um, is on like the fundamentals of Ruby, the basics of Ruby. You have a live coding challenge done in Ruby that you need to pass to move on from, I believe it's 109, one of the earlier courses. Could have that number wrong. And then you transition into JavaScript. And I think it's like a truncated version. Like we won't learn everything they have in JavaScript, but we'll learn quite a few of the same courses. I, I did feel going through, like I went through the, the Ruby track as well. And I don't feel like I know JavaScript any less than necessarily the people that went through the, the JavaScript track. Because uh, you also have the option after you're done your whole subscription to like go back and do a couple of the, the backend JavaScript courses. And by then you kind of realize how similar, like you can just fly through these because it's more about the concepts. So it's like, if you understand the concepts, picking up something new is like a breeze. Interesting. So you're, you're basically saying you don't learn any extra JavaScript in the JavaScript. It's easily transferable to Ruby. Are you justifying that just because it feels like you're picking up the JavaScript when you go through the courses? Or, I mean, like, are you legitimately like building out, you know, complete front ends, um, even like with a framework to like, just, just something to like keep diving back into JavaScript to understand it well. So one thing about launch school, like you don't learn a framework, you learn fundamentals. Like they're really, really focused. Um, you have no trouble. Like once I graduated from core, I went to rebuild the application. I told you that I failed on the first time in Django. I taught myself rails in no time online. I built the application in Rails. It's live. It's on the internet. It works. And it, it, it's what I wanted it to be, and it's more. And I taught myself a little bit of React and all of my basis in JavaScript that I, I use for teaching myself React. And again, I built my own little personal portfolio website in React. It's live. It works. It looks good. And all of my knowledge about JavaScript was from that front-end portion. But you don't learn a framework. So is, is the course paced or is it self-paced? It's self-paced. Okay. Would you, how many hours would you say consists of? <laughs> it's all over the place. It depends who you ask. Uh, I think I've, I logged mine. I think I had 500 hours last year total. Uh, I logged mine at 1,500. Yeah, I know if... I know on the, like the launch school forums, there's like a, an ongoing thread where everybody just kind of logs their hours. And I, I think that's probably like one of the most like popular posts there, uh, just to give people, cause when, yeah, when you hear something self-paced, you're like, how long is this going to take me? Like six months, two years. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let me think. I, okay. So I think if I just go with the normal format of questions, I think this is going to give me the, all the answers I need. So I'm going to keep asking questions and I might have some holes to fill at the end, but this is good. So um, what's kind of like your, your day to day like, um, like, do you pair like uh, modules? Well, it's self-paced. Do you pair like um, what's, what's kind of the structure of the curriculum? Do you, do you kind of like go through videos, learn something, and then do you apply it? 
to an actual like little module or little side project or how does it teach its concepts? Oh, there's a billion uh, exercises. There's not a billion. There's like a hundred. It's over a hundred. And I don't know about the other guys, but I went through them like five times uh, over and over again. Uh, It's all text-based though, to answer that question. There's a few videos, but it's pretty much all text-based. And then you have the assessments. It's all text-based. Interesting. So it's majority text-based. You can, there's no pairing per se, but they do encourage like finding people to work with and working through some of these problems with people. And like even being in the exact opposite time zone by posting in the forums, I was able to find people to work with. So I did end up pairing per se and working through problems with a couple of different students who were at roughly the same spot in the curriculum as me. Um, maybe a little bit ahead, a little bit behind, but that was a lot of fun. Do you feel yeah, like it's also easy though to pair with someone and find again, someone? I'm in Taiwan. Most people are in North America and I found people to pair with. So I think given that I could do it in this time zone. Yeah. Okay. There's a, they have like a, a Slack uh, channel or Slack workspace as well. That uh, is like very, very vibrant. And there's a lot of different like uh student led kind of like study groups and stuff like that, where people like actively look to find people to like pair with and people to like team up with. Uh, I think like a few months ago, they even had like a student led conference that they put together on like study habits, which is, it's pretty wild. I think for, for something like an online school to have something like that. And this is something when I first started, didn't exist. So it's kind of something that's like constantly growing. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause I think that was one of the the things that a lot of people mentioned about this, that it felt very isolating. So I think they kind of pushed more towards that. So a lot of people, uh, it just kind of changed like the culture of the, the school now. I think that makes sense. So you didn't have any instructors, you didn't have any fellows or anything like it was all self-paced um, and you had Art other TAs. Okay. Elaborate. So they're, they're TAs, they're sort of like instructors and they're there all the time. Like these assessments that we've sort of spoken of, they're intense. They're, they're some of the more difficult tests I've taken in my life. Um, they're three hours, they're timed, you need to use precise language and you need to get above like 90% just to move on through them. And these ask questions. Some of them are little coding questions. A lot of them are written answers to things like explain context execution in JavaScript for this question. And it'll give you a little snippet of code and you go through and explain that. And there are TAs that look at this, mark this, and then will pass or fail you. There's even, like I said, live coding challenges so like, like you'd see with a job interview, like I saw with a job interview where they give you a little question and you solve it live in front of them and talk out your thought process and write pseudocode. And again, you need to pass these to move on to the next level of the course. The TAs are active in Slack. Um, so if you have a question or even sometimes they're just chatting with students or in Slack. And then there's forums where if you're stuck, you can post questions and the TAs um, are in the forums. So you don't have like a lot of one-on-one time with a teacher or anything, um, but there's TAs and there seems to always be one active at whatever time of the day to help you in the forums and in Slack. And they're involved in the grading process 
for like the assessments, both written and live coding. Okay. There's also TA led study groups as well that are pretty, uh, pretty frequent. So it's like, if you're studying for like the first assessment, there'll, there'll be like a study group about that assessment to kind of get you prepared for it. And then also, I, I guess something to note the, the interview or like the live coding assessments are pretty much on par with what you'd see in a job interview. So by the time you're looking for a job, those kind of interviews are just kind of like, you can do like the back of your hand. Like those are like the easy parts of your interview process. Okay. So that's interesting that it has TAs for self-assessment. I think like a lot of, or not self-assessment, self-paced, um, a lot of self-paced programs are starting to realize the value and what people are actually looking for is a little bit like that mentorship. Like if they get stuck, they want to talk to someone, even if it's like someone on Slack. So that's really good to hear. Um, but you and uh, Gino, did, did you say Gino? Was that yeah. the- Gino, um, you had talked about this project um, or these projects that you ended up with when you finally did graduate the program. Um, what I like to ask is, all three of you, what was one project that you were really proud of that you ended with at the end of the program? So again, you don't really build projects in the program. You build fundamentals. I built these projects once I completed the program on my own time but the program gave me the skills to complete them. Like they're projects I tried before the program and they bombed and I did them after and I'm very proud of them, but you're not going to leave. You're not going to leave at least core capstone is different. You're not going to leave core with a portfolio. You're going to leave core with the skills to build a portfolio. It Okay. So it doesn't even recommend that you build a project to reinforce what you're learning. It does, but it doesn't say to do that while you're in the course. Why do you need to to be paying for a course to build a project? You're not paying for the course to build a project, but typically a lot of students are going to reinforce a lot of what they're learning through project work. A lot of these modules, a lot of these tests aren't designed to reinforce it in a complex manner enough that projects will reinforce it for. So So when you're kind of... I'll stop. So when you're you're like halfway through the program, like you're, you're getting close to the... So it's split up between like back end and front end. When you get close to the end of the back end, they actually do recommend you do kind of like a, a little side project, but they Very say like, cool. don't get carried away with it. Just take like, like a week or two max. Don't like try and build a portfolio. Cause it's like, you can build a much better portfolio once you have all the skills that you need. So this is mo- mostly, so I, I think I, I built like a, like a app to like schedule, like, like, watering your plants or something like that. And so just like, like a dinky app that isn't like, didn't make my actual portfolio when I was uh, job hunting, but it just kind of helped me reinforce, like, like you said, some of the things that you learned as you're going along. And you also kind of build like, like to do apps and, and like the, the kind of like standard uh, like programming school apps that you see. Okay. I, I'd want to add to that. Uh, I don't, I think a lot of boot camps will make that a selling point. Oh, you're going to build a portfolio and have these impressive projects to show people how hard you work. And uh, I mean, that's, that's not the intention of core anyway. They make that very clear. So, uh, 
But yeah, making an app like halfway through the program was something I did as well. But just for the sake of solidifying concepts, I think. And that that's really what I'm getting at is I don't really care if you end up with a portfolio project, but I've seen like typically, because I've, I've interviewed thousands of students and I've seen typically a lot of the reinforcement and a lot of that retention comes from even just like building a small, like scheduling, you know, the watering of your plants app. It's it just like applying it because a lot of these self-paced programs, a lot of these modules and tests at the end, um, I just, from what I've seen, a lot of people aren't retaining it as well if they are actually applying it to a personal project where they're not getting their hand held by the program. They're understanding how to apply these concepts. They're understanding how to identify actual problems in the world and how to develop those solutions. So a big con of these self-paced programs is, you know, if you're just doing exactly what they tell you, you don't end up with any projects. I don't care if it's a portfolio project, but you need to take your mind, your context outside of the program and learn how you're going to apply these concepts specifically to real solutions. Now, you don't have to do it. You can go through like a whole program like that. I'm just saying on average, typically people will be able to reinforce it better when they apply it to projects outside of the program. So that's kind of where, so in Capstone, the main focus of it is leaving Capstone with this uh, portfolio project. Um, and it's, it's more of a like problem focused uh, engineering based uh, project. So when I was going out and, and interviewing for like at companies uh, and they often thought it was a startup, like it was, I think it, you, the project you come out with is like that impressive that people have like tons of questions about like the architecture, the, the different like engineering choices you made, the trade-offs between like all the different pieces. And yeah, they, like one of the, the most common questions I got in interviews is like, so like, why are you leaving stagehand? Like what, like, why do you want to like leave your, your startup? Well, how did you word it on your resume? Um, yeah, so it, it's, it's separate from the school. So it's kind of like its own thing. So it does look like a, like a startup. Gotcha. Do you, that I would be really curious about how they recommend people actually put that on their resume. Do they say like, um, do they say just listed under experience and you put the knit, like you pretend like it's the name of the company and then like you were a software mm -hmm. engineer here. Yeah. So the, in capstone, they work closely with you, even in the job hunting process. So they give you a lot of information. Like, I don't think I would have been able to get as good of a job as I, as I did, um, without kind of the context that you're given and like how to approach job hunting. So I, I remember one of the instructor kind of mentioned that the goal of this is so that you, you learn how to job search so that the next time you want to switch jobs, you can do that on your own. You don't need them. So it's like that in itself is also a learning process that I think from what I've heard, a lot of boot camps kind of lack that, that guidance. So I, I think my specific question is the advice that you've gotten from career services or that, that resume advice, how do they tell you the, to list that project? Uh, yeah. So it's listed. The majority of my resume was that project. But do they like, do they say list it under like under your experience and like just put that you were a software engineer and they tell you to like title that project as like the company or. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, that's a lie. 
Like that's not a company. You're you're basically lying and saying that you are working at an app that's not really even a company. It's not even a maybe even a project you're trying to get a user base behind and they're recommending they put that as a job and you were a software engineer working for that. So there there was no point in that in the interview process when I was talking to people that I misled them in any kind of way. Like you're upfront about kind of everything that that you kind of put into this project. So I I don't know if I would consider it a lie. Well, if you're listing a project, kind of listing it under experience as a company and you're putting you worked as a software engineer at this, what looks like a company, if employers are asking, how long did you work at the startup? That's a problem. You're not being transparent. If they actually have that confusion, because I can tell you there are way better. Um, there's so many really, really good, complex projects listed on a resume just because it's of the complexity of the project. That usually doesn't trick an employer to think that it's a startup. It's usually how you present that material on your resume, on your LinkedIn. So like if, for example, they recommended on LinkedIn for you to put that under your experience that you worked at this company as a software engineer and that was your capstone project, that's very misleading. So that's where I'm trying to like get into, you kind of just go a little bit more abstract. I'm trying to ask specific questions like, how do they actually tell you to list it? I don't know if I have an answer for how they tell us to list it. It's just, so if you, if you build a really impressive project and you want to put it on your resume, like if you look at, kind of like my resume, there's no separation of just kind of like hobby projects and like bigger projects that I've done. So it's like, how do you kind of give it the time of day, but also include it there? Yeah. Go ahead. Do you like, do you list it? uh, Is there like a, a title says under my projects, you know, here's my list of projects. Here's, and I know you have a name for them usually. Is that where you put it or do you put it under like work experience? Cause I don't That's know either. Question. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was I, like, I, I could pull it up now, but I don't, I don't remember what like the, the title of the section was, but it was like, uh, so what I had was the, the project and then also kind of as a kind of like working a learning engineer or not working like a, like a hobby engineer, I guess. Hobby engineer. So that, that's kind of where I put all the, the other projects that I did. So I wanted to kind of separate this project because it doesn't really belong. The scope of it is very different than kind of the, the smaller projects that we do along the way. So you can, you can illustrate that through more bullet points. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the label of the section is important and where you're not quite remembering what that label is. And I'm not saying you specifically like lied about this, but I think it's important because, you know, hiring managers there, I know several of them are tired of like having to completely dig through all these resumes and like, what does this engineer really know? Like they keep saying that they're working for all these companies. They make up a startup name and they put all of these skills, like any skill they touched. It doesn't mean if they even know it, if they touched it, they put it as a skill. So a lot of junior engineers are like constantly being tested and very critically about like, are they lying? And that's, that's kind of like a, a question at the back of a, a lot of hiring managers heads is like deciphering like what they actually know from what they're portraying as. So it creates a lot of distrust. 
So you, like me, I'm, I'm someone that talks about this a lot. I ran about it a lot. It does create tons of distress from junior engineers and hiring managers. And I'm trying to kind of illustrate, you could still sell that you just made an amazing project. You're easily going to transfer into being a software engineer, but how you do it, like I, I'm trying to say, like, you don't have to lie to do it. So how you do it, like the devil's in the details with that kind of stuff with the LinkedIn and resume. Like if you, for example, like you even see uh, people put like, I was a software engineer at this learning platform. It's very different than saying you were a student at this learning platform. So that's kind of like, those are the kind of details in my mindset of like why I'm like really digging into this. Um, but, you know, without like more details, I guess I don't really have any other questions. Uh, but it sounds like at least the project is something that creates um, questions and a constructive conversation in the interview. It's something that you're really proud of after you graduate capstone. Does yeah. that? Okay. Okay. Sounds pretty cool. So, all right. Yeah. Without more details, I can't really dig into it more. Um, you know, one thing that you mentioned, um, Gino is you felt like the curriculum was good enough where you were able to apply that right away. And it, it sounds like it kind of clicked a lot when you started working on your projects. And that's, that's really good to hear. Cause that's hard for self-paced programs to accomplish. Um, I guess like, do you, when you started working like on your first project, um, and even you, Joe, or you, Daniel, when you started working on your first project, do you feel like you had a reference to material a lot? Do you just look up the API documentation? Um, cause a lot of software engineers, you know, like we can, the curriculum can be really good, but it takes a while to like reinforce a lot of that. So, um, yeah, I, I like how much did you have to look back into the curriculum when you started? Um, so for me, again, going and remaking the project I failed at, there wasn't a ton where I needed to look back into the curriculum per se, but obviously I still needed to look at docs. Like I was building it in rails. I hadn't learned rails. So I was teaching myself rails. I was building, I was checking stack overflow. Um, really like the assessments, you're not allowed to move on and launch school until you have a pretty solid basis on what they've taught you. And it's really fundamental based. So I felt like that was there, but I still needed to, to build on top of it. Right. Like I'm not going to build a rails app and not need to learn anything about rails when I, when I haven't touched rails yet and different, I ended up using tailwind in the project. I hadn't learned tailwind. Right. So I'm teaching myself this as well. Um, but I had the fundamentals to teach myself this quite quickly and, and get the project working without really getting stuck or can overly confused. It, it was still hard work. There's still a lot of learning going on for sure. But um, again, it was a, a world of difference between when I've tried to build that project the first time and it, it's still up, it's still being used and I'm still proud of it. And I've hidden the first one. You can't even find, you can't even find it on <laughs> GitHub. It's a private repository because it's so bad. Wait, so so you have a user base with that project, though? Um, it's not a huge user base. It's not breaking the internet. It's not even breaking the free tier on Heroku, but there's people using it, yeah. That's really cool. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it, so is it is it uh, immediately applicable right out of the program? Uh, there's, yes, the... Uh, the assessments do a good job of really drilling it into the, the exercises for me was, was what really did it. But what one thing launch school does a lot is uh, it makes you refer to the documentation. It says, here's the documentation on this. 
after we've explained it to you. They're like, read the documentation. I spent so much time in NDN uh, in the JavaScript. So yeah, I, I have to look at the jo- to, at the uh, documentation a lot, but um, I've gotten pretty good at kind of taking that information in uh, and leaning on that when I have to. So I'm pretty comfortable doing that personally. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's that's something that you is a good skill to kind of hone. Like Joe mentioned, uh, referring to the docs a lot and the documentation for certain things. So just knowing where, like, there's so much information out there that you can't possibly know and remember everything. So just knowing where to look and how to find the information you need really quickly. So I, I did really like how they they made you comfortable looking up documentation and kind of uh, figuring out uh, like what you needed from that documentation. And I want to make a point about that. Uh, I know there's other boot camps that people have gone through and I've heard them say, well, they made me refer to the documentation a lot. What was the point of paying all that money? If I could have just read it myself uh, for whatever it's worth, I think that the, it is a text-based program, but uh, I think it's exceptionally well-written uh, it's very clear, concise, easy to understand. And I think that might be because um, they are open to feedback and they, they're constantly changing it. And I know that's like really arbitrary to say it, that it's, it's great, but uh, I mean, I was really impressed at as far as a text-based curriculum goes. Uh, it was relatively really good. I thought. Okay. Yeah. And that, that perspective from you is really helpful to hear. Um, yeah. Cause I haven't actually seen any module. I haven't looked at it, but if you feel like it, it sounds like overwhelmingly you, all of you feel like you were able to retain it, that it taught it really well for curriculum, especially with the challenge of it being text-based, which is a challenge for a lot of people. Um, so that's interesting. I, I would be very curious why they tossed. I wonder if they considered pairing it with like, just mini projects, like you said, Daniel, just mini projects on the side to be able to reinforce it in a different context. Um, I'm curious why they chose the route they did versus that, because you see a lot of these self-paced programs, even a lot of boot camps are very, very project based. That's what the whole industry is like really pushing for. And so, you know, but on the flip side, a lot of coding boot camps sometimes skip over the fundamentals. And it sounds like it, you know, um, launch school really hones in on those fundamentals. And I can't tell you how many people that graduate from a coding boot camp, they go to an interview and they are, get tested on fundamentals. A lot of employers test on fundamentals and they kind of just get tripped up. They don't really know the intricacies of the language that they just learned. Um, they don't really know fundamental programming concepts. So, you know, what I hear it really honed in on that. For that amount of time, that's really good. Now, my last concern is, great, you focus on the fundamentals, but ultimately, like, it's a highly saturated market. And if you're applying, for example, if you're applying for even a a front-end position, um, specifically, and you don't have any knowledge or experience with a framework whatsoever, you know, you're going to be less marketable. Just, you are. Um, And that that almost has become a requirement for front-end positions, you can pick that up with fundamentals, but I want to say like when you actually graduated um, launch school, do you feel like you were well prepared for your first software engineering position for an actual developer position? Uh, I don't feel that way, but I, I 
don't think that's a, a fault of launch school. They were really upfront about this is, uh, there's a link I can send you if it's helpful to people. Uh, is this for me? And they do say that explicitly. If you're trying to get your first engineering job or get your foot in the door, this isn't for you because this isn't, oh, that's not the goal. They're, ex- they're extremely uh, forefront about that. Um, so that is an enormous gulf I feel like I'm facing now is, yeah, I, I finished the program. Great. But uh, I don't have much to show for it. How do I and how do I differentiate myself amongst all the boot camp graduates? Uh, it seems like it's a really big task and I need a lot of structure. So I'm struggling with that. So if there's other people who like structure, you know, you may be like me and you're like, what the heck do I do now? But other people have a, uh, great ideas and they come up with really amazing projects. Interesting. So I think that's where Capstone kind of bridges the gap. And that's kind of why I went into Capstone as well. Uh, so I, I think like what you learn in Capstone is it's, it's totally possible to do that on your own after core, but you have to be really, really like focused and really, really disciplined. So like for myself, I, I didn't trust myself that I'd be able to do all of that in that amount of time. So Capstone kind of bridges the gap between the job and core. So like Capstone as it is, is uh, 100% placement. There, there's nobody, uh, and I think it's within like three months or something like that. Hundred percent, hundred percent placement. Hundred percent. Yeah. Do they are they completely transparent with their data? Do they report to anyone with that data? Yeah, they they post all their data. I think they just posted uh, the data for 2020. How big are the classes though? Um, so my class was 15. I know that they're they're growing. Uh, I think the current one is like 20 something or something like that. My question is, um, do they, so a lot of people that go through these self-paced programs, they don't finish. Do they just exclude that data? So the only data they have, they don't have any data from people uh, like Gino and, and Joe that graduated from core because oh, okay. yeah, it's uh, just kept some, yeah. They, yeah, they, Basically, you don't know, you don't develop like a personal relationship. You don't know kind of like where they're off to, but in Capstone, you kind of, uh, so the way you pay for it is like a, like an ISA. So they know when you, uh, they know your salary and they know like when you accept a job offer. So they have all that data. Uh, but, but I, I have heard that that's one of the things that's kind of lacking. It's hard to figure out uh, what kind of the opportunities are after just doing core and kind of where that leaves you. So as a person who just did core and I, again, I, I've got a job now I'm working with Webernet. I'm a dev company that I'm, I'm super happy with. I did need to go and sort of make these projects that I made and they're not as intensive or as I, what I've seen people come out of with capstone, but in the job I eventually did land um, my interview was essentially putting together a feature on Rails. Now, if I hadn't taught myself Rails, I wouldn't have done well there. That said, I had other interviews that were just in Ruby. And I made it to the final round. I didn't get the job. But I could have done these interviews and done as well as I did, which was, again, the fourth round, final round, losing out based on experience just out of just out of core. So it really depends what the job is looking at, right? A lot of them want some mastery of a framework or something. You're not going to have that unless you, you teach it to yourself. 
But if they're just looking for, for Ruby skills or JavaScript skills, um, I was able to complete, I passed the technical part of those interviews. I, I didn't make it further based on lack of experience. Oh, yeah, I want to share my interview. I had one uh, interview for a junior position and I didn't get it, obviously, but uh, he, he, put, he put TypeScript in front of me. And I, I've never seen it in my a day in my life, right? But I, he's like, explain this to me. I'm like, uh, okay, you know, he, he gave me the basics about it, uh, and I was like, okay, well, I think you know, to solve this problem that you're giving me, I think I would do this and that, and I could walk through it at least. So that's that's something I that's a solid skill you could walk away with launch school is uh, having a structured approach to problem solving, like an actual formula. So it, even if you can't answer, you can't you can't give them the answer they're looking for you can at least walk them through how you would how you'd solve it and uh i think that can be impressive sometimes to the right people it can i completely agree with that and it yeah, sounds and like to, go ahead uh, sorry i just wanted to like kind of piggyback off of that really quick um one of the things that i would hear constantly in uh like job interviews like live coding interviews where you'd be talking to the hiring manager and they're kind of giving you like hints to and one of the things that they would constantly say is something like, uh, make sure to write, write down kind of like your, your problem solving or just like, write Like don't code right away, basically have an idea of how you're going to solve it before coding it. And like going through launch school, that's just second nature to us. Like, it's weird to think that people don't do that, <laughs> that like coding should be the easiest part of a problem. Yeah. That's a really good idea. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. I'm, I'm just mulling over a lot of this. I think, I think they, it sounds like they do a really good job of teaching the fundamentals, which carries over, even if you don't participate in the capstone. And from what I'm seeing, the capstone is, a, is kind of a long program. It says, um, and goal capstone, very ambitious four to seven plus months of full-time focus. It sounds like it's a really long program. And, you know, I did, I was looking so, so the four to seven includes the the job hunt, by the way. It includes the job hunt. Okay, yeah. okay, I gotcha. So here, here's here's what I'm gonna say. If it has a hundred percent placement rate with the capstone, I have not heard of a coding bootcamp ever having that. Ever. So basically launch school is the best school in the United States and the world right now. Like absolutely the best school, hands down. All these other programs should quit. They can't even compare. One thing to note, you, not anyone can join Capstone. You need to complete core and you need to apply and be accepted. What's their criteria? Um, so it's how have you done in the assessments? There's both a technical rating and there is a like, it's not personality, but like a behavior. Interpersonal. Rating. Yeah, it's a personal rating. Um, and then I also believe like it can depend and they say it's, it's very case to case, but it can also depend on where you're living because they want you to be in an area where you're going to be able to compete for jobs. So you see a lot of people from New York, Toronto, San Francisco are, are the places I've seen people mostly joining Capstone from. So part of that is, is that there's a huge filtration process before people get into Capstone. But in the year I was watching the forums, everyone I saw join made a really impressive project and, and took a really impressive job. I wasn't one of them, but this was from the outside looking in. Um, I, I believe what they're telling you, but 
it's you don't just get into capstone. So that um, that filtering process happens in a lot of top tier coding boot camps, like a lot of them, but they can't even reach like they're struggling with a 50 percent higher rate. And I can tell you, like a lot of these, a lot of the projects are really impressive. Uh, so here here's kind of my perspective on it. Um, like I said, launch school, it literally is the best school in the world right now absolutely best people like shouldn't be getting a cs degree they shouldn't be go to a coding boot camp like if they're actually claiming 100 percent placement rate on the capstone like all these coding boot camps are going to go out of business immediately and so when i say this kind of stuff like it sounds kind of silly right and it sounds too good to be true now i'm not saying they're lying with their data but they don't even report they don't have any sort of regulation from what i've seen so far um you know i was even looking um at sir.org to see if they document any of this. So a lot of these, a lot of these educational programs um, will report a lot of this data and it's very easy to report hundred percent placement rate, but don't like share any of the variables involved. And when you have some sort of regulation like this, it forces that educational program to a certain set of standards. And it, I may like, correct me if I'm wrong, I am not seeing that in here. And so what I would challenge launch school to do is I would be very interested in an interview where we could dive into all of this data because I have tons of questions I want to ask because I know how people get to that 100% rate and they leave certain variables out. I'm not saying Launch School does it, but I, like I said, this is one of those situations where it feels too good to be true because every other place should go out of business at this point. So it sounds like a good program. I challenged the 100%. I'd be very curious to see how they come to that data. I'm actually going to spend a little bit of time looking at that data myself and maybe I'll do like a follow-up live stream or something like that. Um, so that's my, so opinion it, with, go ahead. In, in the classes itself, you know, everybody like pretty well. Mm-hmm. So I think if somebody didn't get, so is it that you, you, you question that you don't think it's a hundred percent placement or I personally don't think it's a hundred percent placement. Um, especially when yeah. like they're not even, um, I mean, I, I don't even know if they'd be considered a coding boot camp, but like what, like, is there any regulating agencies that they're reporting that data to that really enforces those standards or do they just decide to disclose whatever they want to disclose to prove the hundred percent? So, like I said, like the, you get to know the people in your class fairly well. And I, like, I could say everybody from my class got a job. Like I, I know that as a fact. And I think like all the previous cohorts are the same. Like, I I don't think that that is like falsified data or anything like that. Um, I agree. Like everyone's active in the Slack. If they were saying this about all the the past capstone graduates, where's the capstone graduate that comes forth and says, Hey, I didn't get the job. I went through capstone. Like in my one year in the Slack channels, reading everything with a lot of the capstone people, they come back and they speak with you. I mean, they're active. I, I never once saw that. Now, again, you're correct. I don't know who verifies it or if it's verified. But having been there for a year, um, I do understand your doubts. Um, I don't have them. I, I, even as a person who didn't do capstone, because where is that one person who, who will say, I did capstone and I didn't get a job? I can find so many who got jobs who posted about it. Couldn't find that person. But mm. you, you could speak to them more if you wanted. But I, I personally, I trust them. And, and you're right. It, it does sound too good to be true. And that's, so this is what 
before, like I mentioned, the reason I got into this was because somebody I know graduated Capstone, got an amazing job, told me to do it. I said, that's too good to be true. I put it off for a while. Mm -hmm. Then I went through and now I'm in that position. I'm telling my friends to get into it. Said this is, it sounds too good to be true, but just if you focus, you'll get there. So it's not, I'm not saying that like everybody can go through this. It's not for everybody, but it's something that if you put the time in there, you'll get there. Okay. That's, um, so I'm not saying they're falsifying data. And I might be uh, wrong with my hunch. I very well might be because it does sound like you said it. You you both realize it sounds what it sounds like. Um, so I would be very interested. I was trying to find like negative reviews on it. Um, I would be anyone that's watching this or listening to this. If you find any Reddit <laughs> posts or like if you find reviews anywhere, like post them. This is like this is a hundred percent placement rate with the capstone program specifically. Um, you know, if they have nothing to hide, challenge it 100%. And I want you to, in the comments, like, let me know, we can investigate this. Um, mm-hmm. Because if my hunch is wrong, um, like I said, I'm not accusing them of anything, but if my hunch is wrong, uh, this is, I would just recommend everyone go to the school. <laughs> I would. Like, if so would I, I, yeah, the, the show's done. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I'm just going to shut down my channel, right? Um, so, in my experience, the devil's in the details with a lot of this and the fact that they're not reporting to um, I'm not seeing them report to sir tells me more people need to investigate some of this data um, before you could even validate their claim of 100 percent like you need there. Uh, I'm actually going to do some digging. So I didn't prepare questions because I did not expect to hear that. But, um, you know, overall, it it has some weight of you telling me like your cohort all got positions and if they all got it within like three months because you were saying like the um it was 100 percent rate within three months right that's the claim i, I don't I, the three months is a guess like don't don't hold oh, me to that but like okay. so i got i i know the average time i think was eight weeks for 2020 somewhere around eight weeks and mine was so i i got it a job in like five or six weeks and i think the longest might have been like two three four months somewhere in there interesting mm-hmm. okay i hope i'm wrong because this is fantastic it means that they are i can already tell you like like a heavy focus on the fundamentals is huge it's it's really huge and a lot of coding boot camps lack that i can see some good things about it um but i will do more research and we'll uh, kind of move on now so i can I can already get the feeling from all three of you, like all three of you had a pretty good experience and you're, you're shouting it out. I, um, I want to see if you're actually being critical of this, what could they improve? Uh, well, it, when you, when you, uh, when I first got your message, I was like, yeah, I mean, we can talk about the pros and cons. It's, I, I'd encourage other people like you are to find the cons because, uh, the thing is they, they tell you what you're going to get before you get it. So you're not surprised. There's no curveballs. Uh, they're extremely transparent. Maybe um, it's important to mention what really sold me with got what I, the reason I started to trust them was um, they gave you the ver- one of the first things you had to do was read this long article about their history. So they did used to be that kind of boot camp that was like shoving people through. Some people went to Google, other people fell off the face of the earth and we don't know what happened to them, you know? So uh, they've kind of been through that and they've aligned their goals to be not like that. 
Um, that's what bought uh, my trust anyway. But it's right. It's not for everybody. I'm I'm a few months out, and I I don't have a job. Uh, I I couldn't. You know, it's just it's not the fault of launch school. But if you're like me, if other people are like me, and they need structure and they don't know what to build, then they might struggle like I am. So that's a point to make. I have anecdotally speaking, I've heard of uh, capstone stories where people say. Um, just one person, she said, yeah, it was, it was not really eight hours a day. It was more like 10 to 12 hours a day. And we didn't take Sundays off and it's actually kind of miserable. Um, <laughs> that's, that's just anecdotally. And, you know, but, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I've heard not, it's not fun to go through, but, um, the end result is hard to argue with, of course. So that's, I guess that's all I could really say about it negatively. I encourage you to ask questions of what else, <laughs> you know, could there be? Cause it is hard to believe. And I'm, I'm, I am a proponent of healthy skepticism too. And that, that's good. And the reason why I don't really like ask questions with constructive criticism is because you should have thought of these already. I'm not saying like you specifically should have, but like if you didn't and you, you actually did bring a couple things up that you're like, you know, it really takes a right personality and more hours. Like you don't even get a break. Um, you're still looking for Like you, I, I think you've kind of, you're able to think critically, but I, I also, it's an open-ended question because I want to see what other people have even challenged what they've thought of and found because healthy skepticism is healthy. It's a really good thing, but you've had to like, think about that. So I'd like, again, I'm a big fan of it. I think it's great, but if there's one thing that they could add to it that I think I get maybe why it's not considered a fundamental, but every job that I went to, they want some of this is a bit more working with GitHub. Just a, a short section on Git. I, I would like, I wouldn't mind seeing. Okay. I think that would be great. A great addition, personally, if I could ask for one thing. I think that's so we, we do cover that in uh, Capstone, yeah. All right. Because you're, you're working with a team, so you kind of have to know more about like Git flows and stuff like that. But even then, uh, I think that was the, the biggest thing going into the, the position that I'm at now is that while I can do all the technical work, there's a lot of just kind of working with larger teams and certain kind of flows that you don't know yet. Uh, I, I don't think that's like a easy thing to teach in a program like that. But uh, in, in terms of, I guess, like criticism or things that they can improve. Uh, I think I mentioned before, like kind of going through this is kind of like an isolating experience. And I think, uh, constantly like throughout the, the program, they ask for like, like feedback and like, what can we do better? Like now that you, you've finished this, like what, what can you improve? And I think like one of the things that I mentioned was uh, just kind of connecting students with students more. Cause I think it's like fine for students that are more outgoing. They'll, they'll find students to kind of like pair with, but there's a lot more like reserved and introverted people that may kind of go under the radar. Okay. Yeah, that um, that's happened a lot in so many remote programs. Um, interesting. Okay. So, yeah, well, I'm surprised to get anything out of all of you <laughs> with that constructive criticism, to be honest, because I uh, so I'm glad I got something. It seems like it isn't a sales pitch. Um, but overall, like it seems like a, seems like a strong program in my recommendation. Um, I mean, yeah, 200 a month is I mean, it's not 
it's not cheap, but like it's cheaper than a coding bootcamp, especially if you could supplement at the end, uh, like instead of paying like $20,000 for a coding bootcamp. But it sounds like the capstone is really where it brings it home. It sounds like it really um, encompasses everything. And I had one question for you, Daniel, in the capstone, did you, you mentioned you didn't really learn these processes, these flows of working on a team. Did you work, was it like a group project in the capstone or were you siloed? Yeah, it's a, you're working with a group for the entire capstone. Okay. So I think that it's like groups of three, three or four. Okay. Three to four. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I think I got a good summary. Um, and go ahead, Gino. Oh, I, okay. I thought you wanted to say something. Um, but, um, yeah, I think, I think that's a good summary. And what I want to challenge people is, like I said, I'm going to do my own digging. Um, I highly recommend because like I actually had trouble finding bad reviews on core support. I just look quickly. I'm going to look again. Um, but uh, is launch school newer? Like, was it created in the last couple of years or has it been around for a long time? For a while. It used to be called Tea Leaf, I believe. Tea Leaf. They did rebrand at a certain point. I also had trouble finding bad reviews, which is part of why I signed up. Yeah. I, yeah. I think Capstone has been around for like two or three years, okay. uh, maybe like three years by now. And I think that's kind of when they became launch school, like away from tea leaf. Gotcha. Okay. I'm Fair. seeing Capstone salaries on their website dating back to cumulative Capstone salaries, 2016 to 2020 and okay. independent data for 2018. Very cool. Okay. So Capstone's been around for a few years, um, but it sounds like they've been in the industry for a bit longer. So yeah, let me know in the comments what you think. I definitely want to hear if you find anything. Um, if you provide a link, I think it'll get filtered. But if it's a link to like actual data where we can take a look at it, I just have to approve of it. So go ahead and post that. Um, hopefully I can approve of it. I'm still learning how YouTube works, but yeah, that's it. I really appreciate you guys coming on for the review. Um, let's jump into our outros. Uh, Gino, if people want to reach out to you, where could they reach you? Uh, yeah, you could just go to GinoBanano.com. And that's like a little resume website I put together when I was in my job hunt and it would take you, you said, I can shout out my website. So I'm going to do that. It would yeah allow you to link to trace Taiwan, which is the, the little portfolio project I built, which is just like a blogging app for river tracing in Taiwan. Cool. Thank you. But I kind of need. Uh, yeah. That's so pretty you neat. You can find me there. Use a contact form links to my GitHub, LinkedIn. Anyone wants to connect on LinkedIn, talk coding, hit me up. Perfect. How about you, Daniel? Um, yeah. So you can find my personal website at, Daniel S. Lou.github.io. And uh, that's that's pretty much pretty much it for me. Okay. How about yeah. you, Joe? Uh, yeah, LinkedIn, Joseph Castrino. You can spell it. <laughs> okay. Perfect. <laughs> uh, all right. Awesome. Well, um, stick around for a couple minutes, like I said. But uh, Gino, Daniel, Joe, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your experiences. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Just